2 Kings 4, verse number 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Of course, Elijah was one of the great prophets ever in biblical history. And uh, his power and anointing was twice that of his predecessor, Elijah. So much so that when Elisha died and his bones bleached out in the cave, there was still such power in that man's bones. It wasn't just his spirit. His body was permeated with the presence of God. When they threw a dead soldier into the area of the tomb where Elisha was buried, and the dead soldier rolled onto the bones of Elisha, he was immediately resurrected from the dead. You can read it in the Word. It's right there. And he was a teacher of other young men in terms of ministry. And so the certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, that was one of the boys, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went in from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. That was the oil. And now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. What a great financial strategy he gave her as well. Amen? So, Father, I thank you for your presence. Release your anointing to us. I need your help. We need you to illuminate us and anoint us as we hear your word. Reveal truth, because your revealed truth will always take us to a place of victory. And we thank you, whether it's victory over self or victory over sin or victory over sickness or victory over obstacles or bondages, we receive victory today in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. It's one of the great miracles of the Old Testament. The miracle of provision in the story depended on having available vessels. That was what was dependent. It was all dependent on the availability of the vessels. Because often people will say, God, I need a miracle, but God is not the problem. Heaven is not the problem. The oil is not the problem. The problem is, can God find the vessel here on earth to place his miracle of supply in? The woman's husband passed away. She, she was left with an incredibly large debt, one she could not pay. And the creditors are about to show up. In the culture of the day, when you could not pay your bills, the creditors could enslave the next generation. So they would have to go to work for the creditors in the fields to pay off the debts of their predecessors. So when they went off to work, their labor basically was paying down the debt that was created by the parents in this case. So the word says the widow could not pay the debt. There was no way for her to do that. The creditors are now about to come and take away her sons. And they were going to be indentured, and they were going to be put out in the fields, and they were going to work until the debt was paid off. 
So Calvary Christian Center, the spirit of the age is knocking at the door of the church. And the spirit of the age is encroaching everywhere you look. And the standards that once were normal and acceptable in a community, a state, and a nation have now been pretty much thrown away. And if, listen to me, and the next generation is going to be taken if we don't have the miracle of supply in the house. If we don't have oil in the house. If the church does not have the Holy Spirit in the house, the spirit of the age is at the door and they want your children lineage, the ones who should receive your inheritance, they want to enslave the next generation and totally own the next generation. Enslaved in immorality, substance abuse, the constant lowering of standards, the key to the next generation remaining free. The prophet asked, what do you have in your house? Do you have anything that God can use to bring a miracle in your house? What's in your house that God can use to save the next generation from slavery and bondage? Our home should be sanctuaries of prayer, a place where the word of God is read and honored. That's the game playbook for life. And as parents and family members, we should huddle around that playbook and map out our strategies every day. Our home should be places where God's word is held here and we're all expected to live by it. Our home should be places where respect for one another in the family is learned and practiced. Where love and unity is practiced. That doesn't mean you never have a disagreement, but it does mean this. When the whistle blows, that team is won. What is in your house that could bring that kind of a miracle? that can ensure that the next generation following you is going to be a free one like we are. The other question, what's in your house that could hinder God from bringing blessings to the next generation? Whatever's in your home either brings the presence of God or it hinders the oil of the Holy Spirit. So the key to this miracle was the widow's answer. All I have is a jar of oil. The prophet got it. He understood This is what will keep the next generation free. Noah had an altar when he did not have a home. Following the flood, didn't have a home, but he had an altar. Many have a home, but they don't have an altar. It's the altar that will save our families. So she said, we have a jar of oil. And the prophet said, you go to your neighbors and borrow their vessels, gather clean and empty vessels, and bring the vessels from your neighbors into the house where there is oil. So if you need a miracle, you have to do something. There has to be some energy spent. There has to be an effort on your part. If you need a miracle, you have to cooperate with God in order for it to be manifested. God has the oil, but you have to provide the vessels. Go borrow the vessels. And he said to the widow, do not gather a few. So who determined the magnitude of that miracle? Was it God? No. She did. You and I do. Same thing. If you only gather a few vessels, so will your miracle be. But if you gather many, then you will receive a greater miracle. 
People say this new year, God, I desire that you do something great in my life, that there be great change. And he responds, get me a vessel. And then people say, Master, here's a pint-sized portion of my soul. You can have this much of my soul. I will give you this much of my life, but I need a huge miracle right now. The problem is not with God. The problem is not with the oil. The problem is not with God's ability. He said, the problem is you give me such little space in your vessel. The more you give me of your vessel, the more I will give you of my oil. And what I just said there is a Bible college education. The more you give me of your vessel, the more I will give you of my oil. If you just come and give me pint-sized on a Sunday morning, that's how much I'm going to fill. But if you come into my presence as an empty, clean vessel, and you say, I know you have a plan for my life, I want everything out of me that is not like you. I want you to fill my thought life. In every relationship, I want you. I want to be your vessel. God says, if you'll give me a little of yourself, I will fill a little of yourself. But if you give me all that you are, I will fill you with my purpose, my dream, my oil, and my anointing. So it says in that same chapter, shut the door. Because in the church, the vessels have to assemble and gather together. Shut the door. The oil is moving. Shut the door. The flow is happening. Get those vessels organized. Get them together. She started pouring, and when she started pouring, God began to pour more and more oil out of that singular vessel. And they filled vessel after vessel after vessel from that one jar of oil. And she said, the oil is moving. Bring another vessel. (laughs) Calvary Christian Center, as long as we have vessels... The oil will keep on flowing. When the vessels are not available, then the flow stops. Heaven is not the problem. The problem is available vessels. If God can find available vessels, he will never stop pouring out the provision and the blessings. The oil stopped when there was no place to pour the oil. So comprehend that the container is just as important as the product. You know, you go to the grocery store and you, you buy bread and butter and eggs and milk and meat and chips and check out and you're about to leave and they tell you after you've paid, please take your items. And you look at the stuff there all assembled and you say, well, don't you have any bags? You mean I have to pick all of these items up individually and I have to carry these items out the door? So you're walking out and you're dropping items and some of them are breaking on the ground when you drop them because it's not just the product. You've got to have a place to contain the product, a place where the product resides. Now, someone here would love a cup of fresh bean roasted coffee, no doubt, right? Yeah. What a great aroma that is. You want coffee or do you want a cup of coffee? You have to have a container to put this product in, right? It's very important because I could stand here all day with a, this pot of hot coffee and say, here, 
You know, what are you going to do? Hold your hands out? You have to have a cup to contain it. Somewhere along the line, somebody's got to pull a cup out, and there has to be a place where you can contain that. Hot cup of coffee. With no cup. Not accessible. Imagine if one of our local round, you know, round table pizza was delivering a pizza and they came to your front door. And in bringing the pizza to your front door, there was, it wasn't boxed. I mean, it, there was no box. It was just a round pizza and he's holding it in his hands and there's no container. Wow. But he's bringing this in a container. Oh, my goodness. But see, if he came to me with this pizza, and it was in, not in this container, it was just in his hands, by the time I got it, you know what would happen? Pieces of it would be on our rug. Some of it would get in my hands. It might even get on my clothes. It would be a mess. It wouldn't. I didn't say that. <laughs> but here's a tip. Make sure it doesn't go anywhere. Okay. The pizza would fall apart everywhere you turn. It might be hot, but you can't enjoy it because it's, it's falling apart. And the hotter they are, the, the more they're just kind of, they fall all over the place. It's only when get cold and dry that they kind of hold together. So you'd ask, well, where's the box? See, you could have the greatest product in the world the greatest pizza in America. But if you don't have a container, because the box costs 35 cents. That box costs 35 cents. It's not the box that gives value to the product. The product gives value to the box. Even though it's a 35 cent box, when there's product in it, it becomes very valuable. And that's what you need to all understand. God has the oil God has the Holy Spirit. God has the miracle. But the miracle is looking for a vessel. And the miracle is looking for vessels all over the body of Christ in this room. The problem is not the product. The problem is you have to have two things with this box. The container needs to be empty and it needs to be clean. That's how it starts. What kind of a mother puts milk in a dirty bottle that's got three-week-old milk still in it? No. No. She's going to take the bottle, she's going to wash it with soap and water, and then she's going to put the fresh milk in the bottle for her child. So comprehend the revelation. God says, I have the oil, I have the dream, I have the vision for your life. I've got the miracle, I've got the provision. My problem is I'm looking for a clean, empty container that I can place my supply of miracle in. The miracle is looking for the vessel. So today the Holy Spirit is looking for vessels. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro all over the earth looking for those who are submitted to doing his will. Vessels he can place his precious oil in. Vessels he can place his dreams in. God's looking for vessels to place his power, his miracles, and his anointing oil in. All the vessels have to do, be empty and be clean. Don't offer him a small corner. Empty yourself. Clean the vessel. Say, God, I want to be your vessel. God created earth in the middle of this vast universe. 
Our eyes and telescopes still can't see to the end. And God creates Adam, the first man, and places him on earth. And God says that the first human, in Latin, the word human means spirit in dirt. It's what human means in Latin. And he created the first spirit contained in a vessel of dirt. <clears throat> you are a spirit contained in a vessel of dirt. Hmm. And when you die, your body's going to go back to dirt. But your spirit is going to live forever in heaven or in hell. God said to Adam, I give you dominion over the earth, over every creature, including anything and everything I've created, you have dominion. You have dominion over it all. I only give dominion to spirits that are in bodies, vessels. And I'm putting the oil. I will breathe my breath into you. I will put my spirit in a human vessel. And I'm not giving dominion to the animal kingdom, nor am I giving dominion to the spirit realm. No spirit can legally act out on this planet without a body. Spirits can't rob banks. They can't rape and kill and steal. They have to find and possess a body. And that's why when Lucifer saw that Adam and Eve had dominion on this planet, he did not appear to them in his normal appearing way, but he appeared to them in the form of an, a creature that they were already familiar with in the body of a serpent. So he came legally through a body. In order to have dominion legally, he had to come in a container because spirits without vessels are illegal. So when Satan took dominion from Adam and Eve and became the god of this world, the father said, you think you've won this battle, but I've got a miracle. So God started a search for 42 generations to find a vessel. And for 42 generations, God looked for a vessel to place his supply, his redemption, his forgiveness in, a vessel for his Holy Spirit. It will have to be a dirt body for God to appear legally because God is spirit, and he is not a body like we are. The astonishing miracle about the incarnation and the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, God searched for 42 generations saying, I need a vessel. I have a miracle for the human race. I'm sending my son Jesus to earth, but I need a clean, empty vessel to place him in. And God found a virgin Jewish maiden by the name of Mary. And God said, I have found a vessel that is empty and that is clean. Can I borrow your vessel, Mary, for nine months? Because that which is conceived in you is of the Holy Spirit. All I need is a vessel. And although you might not think much of yourself, and none of us has a right to ever do that, but what I'm about to do in you is astonishing. The value is not in the box. That's why we don't worship Mary. We honor Mary. We appreciate Mary. We, we recognize her submission to the will of the Lord and keeping herself and her spiritual cleanliness and her sacrifice, doing whatever it took to honor God by saying, whatever your word is to me, so be it. Mary is not deity. She's not God. Jesus is God. Jesus is the name above every name. Hear it. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So we honor Mary. We're thankful for that vessel. We thank God she was empty of self and she was clean. And God chose her as his vessel and placed the miracle of redemption in her. 
God Almighty who says the heavens are my throne and the earth is my footstool, but I will shrink myself into a baby's body. And all of God from head to toe came out of that virgin womb, all seven pounds of God Almighty. He was so God from head to toe that when they just touched the hem of his garment, he was so much contained power, they were healed. And if we just touch the hem, his body was made like ours, but his spirit was the oil. It was the miracle. It was the supply of redemption. No wonder when he walked into the synagogue and he looked like everybody else. And they recognized there's another young man coming to the house of the Lord today. And when he stood in the pulpit, then he began to declare, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and then said, This day these words are fulfilled in your ears. Listen to me. It's one thing when you read someone's book. It's another thing when the author reads his own book. They had heard that scripture from Isaiah before. But the moment Jesus stated it, I mean, it brought the devils out of the church members. Leave us alone. We know who you are. You've come legally here. For listen to what happened at the end of that church service. Verse 28. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust them out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they may throw him down over the cliff. That's why Satan hates your body. I've got to preach this here, so hang in there with me, okay? Because the problem is never with the oil. Satan knows I can't stop the oil. That's what got me kicked out of the presence of heaven and the presence of God. That's what defeats all my demon followers. That's what delivers the drug addict. I, I can't cope and deal with the oil. So my only hope is to attack the vessel. Because I could defile it and dirty up that vessel. If I can fill that vessel with so much other stuff that it can't contain the oil, it has no room for the then I can hinder God's plan from being accomplished. That's how I can stop it. So Satan attempts to defile and destroy your vessel. And that's why Herod killed all the male babies born right after Jesus was born. Because Satan was scared. Satan knew there's a problem. Messiah is here, and he's here legally. God has put his spirit in a dirt body. Kill all the male babies. That's why they tried to murder Jesus. That's why they tried to throw him off the cliff. That's why the one time they tried to stone him to death. Listen, because for three and a half years, Jesus, Jesus went around tormenting the devil. He was tormented by God walking around in a dirt body. And finally, Satan provoked the crucifixion of Jesus. And they watched Jesus die. And Satan probably called his comrades around, and they danced, and they rejoiced, and they partied, and he laughed. We destroyed the container. We destroyed the vessel. It bled out. I saw it. He's dead. I heard his blood-caked lips say, it's finished. So the devils rejoiced. 
that Jesus' body was dead. But Jesus didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. So they took the container of God and they placed him in the borrowed tomb from Joseph of Arimathea, a very wealthy businessman who had purchased this tomb for his future demise. And while his body, Jesus' body, was in that tomb, his spirit comes out of the body, goes down into Hades, divided in two compartments, one of which are all those contained that did not honor the Lord. The other side is called Abraham's side, and that's where all the people have gone to rest who have honored the Lord and put God first in their life, and they were residing, and Jesus preaches to the saints and releases them to proceed to their final destination in the presence of the Father in heaven. Seventy-two hours later, God reconstructs the spirit and the body and reconnects them. And I can see God's spirit lying down into that container, the body of Jesus. And suddenly, Jesus rose bodily from the dead and said, I have the keys. I have them. Satan is so defeated, he doesn't have the keys to his own house. That's why he can't hold you prisoner. That's why he can't keep you in a prison of addiction. Because he doesn't hold the keys. Jesus holds the keys, which means you can be free. Satan cannot control your body. You do not have to be a drug addict. You don't have to be a substance abuser. You don't have to be a person filled with immorality. Because when Mary was fully pregnant with Jesus, something happened in her body. It changed the way she walked. When fully pregnant, notice a girl's walk changes. When Jesus takes up residence inside of you, when the miracle is living in you, it will change your walk. It changes what you ingest into your body. It changes what you put in your mind. A pregnant woman, listen to me, will not smoke. A pregnant woman will not use drugs. She will not drink because she knows it will impair the development of that which is birthed in her. So I'm saying to you, if you have an issue with substance abuse, when Jesus or any kind of sin that has attached itself in your life, when Jesus takes up residence in you, he will push out all that junk. And you'll get so full of him, you never have to touch it again. Satan attacks the vessel because he knows he cannot, listen, he cannot stop the oil. And that miracle of God is always looking for a vessel That oil, that provision is always looking for a place to inhabit. And the greatest messages, listen, have yet to be preached. The greatest deliveries have have yet to be expressed. The greatest churches have yet to be built. The oil is not an issue. It's always provided for us. It's always flowing. The greatest worship music has yet to be written. The greatest musicians have yet to take the stage. The oil is searching and looking for a vessel Empty and clean. Just waiting to use the empty and clean. And if you empty your vessel and clean your vessel, because before he pours in, you have to empty out. Because you're either a container of trash or treasure. And that's why we used to sing it as kids. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. (laughs) 
Be careful, little ears, what you hear. There's a father up above. So be careful. Mm -hmm. I liked what the wise man said. He said, keep, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Because you will either be a container of trash or treasure. That's why, young lady, Satan wants your body. He wants you to defile yourself with immorality. All the girls are doing it. So give up your virginity like it's nothing. Because the spirit of the age is at the door. Shackles in hands saying, I want your kids. Because that enemy knows the oil is looking for a vessel. And that's why, young man, the enemy says, be like all the other guys and sow your wild oats. No big deal. Because while you're doing that, the oil will pass you by and find someone else. You were his first choice. It matters what you do with your body. It matters whether you are separated and you've set yourself apart as a vessel that God will use. That's why the word says this. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Oh, really? Yeah, really. Your body is the vessel for the oil. You have been purchased with a price. And it's not gold or silver. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And you are either going to be slave to the owner called Lucifer, or you will be owned by the master, the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not your own. I'm doing my own thing. No, you're not. You are under the rulership of one or the other. And the one you obey is the one who is your master. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So guess what? If I'm going to put down my wager on which one's going to own me and which one's going to reward me best, no brainer. This doesn't take much brain matter to figure out. It's I'm going to go to the one that at the end of the day raises the trophy high and says, we win. And we are the trophies. Not something made out of metal or silver plated or whatever and going to be put on a shelf to just look at. We are the trophies of the Lord and we get to be victorious with him. Now watch. When they took Jesus' container now dead and they placed it in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, It was a borrowed tomb. Jesus didn't buy it for his own demise, even though he knew he came to die. But he did not plan by buying the cemetery plot in advance, like some of you have. Okay? I don't need to buy one. It was laid in a new tomb, the Scripture says, because Jesus was knowing he would not be in that tomb just for three days. So why do I want to buy buy a tomb? I'll just borrow Joseph's. I'm only going to spend three days in there. And then he can have it for for himself and the rest of his lineage later. I'm borrowing it. But the text says he bought you. That he did purchase. He borrowed the tomb, but he purchased you. He only borrowed the tomb for three days to place his body in. 
but he bought you with his precious blood. That's why we come to the table on the first Sunday night of the month to be reminded of what Jesus did because he wants to live in you for all eternity. And he says, your body is my temple. That's why the word says this, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So you don't have to be super talented and you don't have to be super brilliant. You don't have to be an extraordinary person. You have to be an empty, clean, 35-cent container. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. He says, the glory is not the containers. The glory is this. I'm going to put my dreams in you, my supply in you, my purposes in you, my redemption, my healing, my deliverance in you. I will put my Holy Spirit in you and anoint you. I will raise you up. Others may think you're something when they look at you, but inside you know, without me, you can do nothing. You see, the package adds little value to the contents. But the contents make the package extremely valuable. You're valuable because greater is He is in you. That's not some little theological nugget you pull out once in a while and play with. No. I want you to live in the challenge of that principle all year. What you do with your vessels and your bodies matter. You're valuable because the greater is He is in you. So I beseech you, Paul wrote, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Have you stopped and remembered how merciful he's been to you? When's the last time you took time every single day of the week and you spent thanking him for the mercies he supplied you, for the mercy of your health, for the mercy of provision, for the mercy of a meal, for the mercy of those clothes, for that automobile? And then go beyond the things and start thinking about the people he's put in your life. For the heritage he's given you. For the family he birthed you in. For the people that he used to bring you to where you are. For the breath that you breathe. For the beat and rhythm of your heart. For the health he continues to sustain for you. For the many, many times he's forgiven you and given you more than a second chance for some few thousand chances by the mercies of God that you present what? Your bodies, the containers, a living sacrifice. Why? Because God's miracle of provision is looking for a vessel. So he goes on to say, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, it's righteous, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's what he requires of me. And then challenges you further, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
And how am I going to have my mind transformed? Is God just going to come by and go, and your mind's turned? No, that's not how that works. This is how it works. I pick up the playbook, and I read, and I meditate in it, and the Holy Spirit reveals truth to me, and this starts reformatting the hard drive of my mind. And now when I start to respond or I start to think about an action or a speech, I'm thinking the way God wants my mind to think. So here you are, so full of stuff in this culture, jam-packed with all kinds of junk that gets dumped into us, cluttered up, defiled, messed up. We've all been there. But for the blood of Jesus Christ. If your body is not what you know God wants it to be, thank God he comes along and says, you can be born again. I'll give you another opportunity spiritually, a new birth, a fresh start. But the oil of the Holy Spirit is looking for vessels everywhere. And if you give him little of your life, That's how he will fill that little part of your life with little. But if you give him the maximum space and you come broken to him and say, empty me, cleanse me, he will fill you and he will use you and he'll pour his dream for you into you and his direction into you and his will into you. And I don't know about you, but I want his will. I've bumped my head too many times to know I want his will, not mine. You're not walking around just like everybody else, but you're walking around now with divine purpose because the one inside of you is guiding your steps. That's a great place to be in. So saints, stand with me. Lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.